Welcome back, everybody. This is the Prepared Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Austin, and, well, another episode, right? Uh, we got so much stuff going on right now uh, in, in the country, in the world, right? We got the gun control bill, which is moving through the Senate. Um, I believe it, it's done. I think it's just going up for a vote. Um, I, may, I might be wrong on that. I've honestly just, for my own, <clears throat> my own sanity and everything, just been kind of ignoring it. Um, did reach out to both my elected senators here in, in Michigan, uh, and, you know, Gary Peters and Debbie Stabenow and ask that they not vote in favor of anti-constitutional or or unconstitutional gun legislation, but past that, I've tried not to get too wound up in the day to day since it seems like that's been, that's been, you know, a pretty, pretty high on the priority list for the media. Um, we did get today, um, it is January, or sorry, it's June, not January, June 23rd. We did get a Supreme Court ruling that the requirement of proof to grant a concealed carry permit in New York, that was actually ruled unconstitutional by the Supreme Court uh, in a six to three ruling. And I know a lot of people are going to be jumping on the bandwagon about how, oh, well, this is because we have a we have a conservative leaning court and all this and that. And um, hey, to an extent, you might be right. Um but that's kind of how the game is played, and if it were a liberal-leaning court, they would have voted against it, and it would have been totally fine um, for those same people. But that is a major win for the 2A community, um, for those that you know want to carry a gun, um, those that that want their gun rights, whether you're a hunter, uh, you're a tactical shooter, whatever. Like that's that's a pretty big deal. Um, so uh, some a couple of pretty big things going on uh, legislatively in the news and media. Um, but getting past that, this week I have a really cool uh, guest coming on. <clears throat> it's uh, Ian Strimbeck, who is the owner and founder of Rune Nation LLC. Uh, Rune Nation is a training company, and they do all sorts of training around combatives, concealed carry. Uh, and this was a really interesting discussion. We, we really got to a place, uh, speaking philosophically, uh, that I, I don't think I've really gotten to with some other guests. Um, and you can just tell from the way that, that Ian speaks, uh, he's very passionate about what he does and he's very inspired to help other people, uh, on their journey to, to, uh, be better prepared to never be a victim again, right. To, to ignite the fire within, I think is the way he, he put it. And, uh, like I said, you, you can tell this is where his, his heart and his passion is. And I, I just can't say enough. It, it was a, it was an awesome, awesome conversation. I know that, that you guys are really, really going to enjoy it. Uh, I, I enjoyed it very much before I can get to that. I do need to stop for a second. And as always, I need to say thank you to our presenting sponsor here at the prepared mindset, which is eclipseholsters.com. guys, if you're carrying concealed, if you're carrying a firearm with you, you need to have a quality holster, right? Carrying a firearm to defend yourself is paramount, all right? It is it is the weapon of the day, just as the sword was, and, and before that it was the spear and everything else, right? Um, if you're carrying a firearm with you, you need to have a quality holster. You need to be able to protect that trigger and be safe when you're carrying, and you need to have something that's reliable and going to enable you to do that well, and, and that's Eclipse, all right? Eclipseholsters.com, they hooked us up with a discount code, Prepared Mindset all one word, 
right? It's going to save you 20% off your order. Jess and her team will take fantastic care of you. Okay, their customer service is what I like to say. Honestly, I think they they set the bar in the industry. You know, everything from they turn your order around and get it out to you in three business days or less. They're great about answering questions. If you don't see what you need on the website, email them. They'll get you taken care of. Even if that means they have to refer you to a different company, that'll still be able to get you a quality holster so that you can carry confidently. And that's huge. Knowing that you're you're carrying this this weapon, this firearm, uh, and you have it secured safely, you're comfortable carrying it, you are in a better mindset in the event that you have to draw that weapon for whatever reason. Uh, but they also have mag uh, mag carriers. They got dump trays. Uh, I actually just started using uh, their new wallet that they uh, they rolled out, which has been awesome, absolutely awesome. Um, they carry core concealment belts. So again, if you're carrying concealed, you just started carrying, you know, pick up a belt. You need a quality belt to go with the good holster. Uh, the belt, in a lot of cases, does more than the holster does. So very important. Check those out while you're on the website. They even have tourniquet carriers, all kinds of good stuff. Eclipseholsters.com. Again, prepared mindset, all one word, is going to save you 20% off of your order. Spend over 100 bucks. They're going to upgrade you for free to two-day FedEx shipping, which is pretty badass. We all like free shipping. So head on over, www.eclipseholsters.com. Check them out today. Let Jess and her team take care of you. Okay. Uh, that's all for me. Uh, I will stop running my trap now and I will get you guys on over to my conversation with Ian Strimbeck, the owner and founder of Rune Nation. Check it out. Ian, how you doing, man? Pretty good yourself. Good, good. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for making Thanks the time, for man. man. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm actually pretty excited, um, about this discussion and I need to stop using that word. I caught myself like two episodes ago where I said excited like 19 times. So that's too <laughs> already. Um, but I, I actually almost made it into one of your classes, uh, when you're here in Michigan. Um, unfortunately I had like some previous obligations related to the super bowl, which is kind of a lame excuse, but, um, heard a lot of great things about what you do from, uh, some mutual friends of ours with Robbie and, uh, Adam over in Ann Arbor. Absolutely. Um, so I'm, I'm going to say, I'm thrilled that we could sit down and talk. Um, so if let's, let's just, uh, if you can go ahead and introduce yourself, uh, talk a little bit about who you are and what you do, and we'll, we'll take it from there. Sure. Uh, my name is Ian Strimbeck. I am the owner and founder of Rune Nation. Rune Nation is more or less a, I like to think about it as a, uh, as a training and e- education, uh, group or entity that tries to take an individual and bring them from point A to point B and try to bring about concepts of resiliency and endurance and to try to look at all available options in order to bring you home at the end of the day. Uh, Just because I personally have felt that when I first started, you know, teaching uh, you know, full-time in the space that a lot of training, a lot of teaching, a lot of training revolves specifically around any and all aspects of firearms, which it should be, especially, you know, if you're coming to a pistol class, you're going to learn about yeah. pistol. If you come to a carving class, you're going to learn about carving, so forth and so on. But there really wasn't too much talk, if at all, from a philosophical standpoint. And if, um, you knew me, you know, know me on a personal level or have talked to any of my friends, I am a, 
you know, I am the definition of a, uh, you know, not a full, I wouldn't say a philosopher, but I, I do like to, you know, get the brain moving, like to get the brain thinking about um, bigger concepts. I, I, I like to bring about the, the ideas that anyone and everyone is capable uh, to bring themselves from a uh, better percentage than they were the day before, even if it's just 1% better. Um, and that's what I try to bring about in all of my seminars is to show people that uh, they are more capable than they initially have thought they were. Sometimes just take somebody to uh, carry them along the way and show them yeah. that they are. See, and that's, and that's cool. I like that. I like how you just put that. Um, and it, I think that that's important in a, in, in context and perspective to what we're talking about with, you know, defensive shooting and, and things like that. And uh, I guess to a certain extent in a certain lens, you would call it tactics, but um, mindset or mindset and, and uh, your philosophy on your personal um, defense protection, well-being, you know um, that's a huge thing. And it's, it's funny. Cause as you were explaining all that, I'm like jumping back and like in the back of my mind, remembering, you know, the trolls on the internet that have given me messages that are like, mindset has nothing to do with self-defense. And, you know, this is really dumb. I'm like, okay. I mean, you're, you're like, I'm not a professional, but I'm, I'm 98% sure that you're wrong. And, uh, yeah. you know, thanks for taking the time. Uh, yeah. you know, Oh yeah. Like, and, and that's why trolls are trolls. You know, you go to their profile, it's private. They're going to, they got no profile yes. picture and they have, you know, uh, 32 followers. Um, so I just consider that static noise that is, inevitable if you're going to put yourself up in front of uh any type of public space especially on social media and you're you're bound to have people that are going to pop in and try to give their two cents which has kind of been uh my love-hate relationship overall with social media is now everyone regardless of their level of worth has a voice now <laughs> yeah you know so now people that you know think they know something that are the definition of um, Dunning-Kruger effect in real time now have a voice to voice their thoughts, which usually aren't the best. Um, no, no, but, it's usually just for attention, I think. And oh, yeah, just to be, I'd be a, a jackass, honestly. Yeah. And going back to mindset, a, a lot of, you know, other classes that I've been to or other people that I've seen teach, they, they do hit on it. But, but I feel mm -hmm. like the word mindset is, has, is slowly becoming another buzzword, like situational awareness, like, oh, you got to have your, you got to know your situational awareness, you got to have your mindset. And like, I get it, you know, people say it to bring about the general concepts of it. But for me, with what I do, and what Renation stands for, I like to go really deep into the weeds of mindset of mental development of um, um, cognitive yeah. development, not only uh, within drills that we can do in the class, but also like talking off range, you know, like when we're going back and we're topping off mags or we're or on lunch break, you know, talking about, you know, life in general, talking about life concepts, talking about certain struggles that maybe some certain students that have had in the past, like, uh, you know, I, I've had students in the past that are um, either sur survivors of, you know, assault and batteries or survivors of domestic assault. And, you know, they're here because they want to re rekindle that, that fire inside them to, to, in order to become and learn how to become more capable. So they don't have to go through such a, 
you know, grueling and horrible event ever again. They never want to feel that way ever again. Yeah. And the only way to do that is to empower yourself and to remove that fear by doing the things that scare you. Yeah, which, stepping and, into the unknown there. Yes. Yeah, taking a chance on it. Yeah, for absolutely. And, and I've and I feel like we're going to hit on this eventually, but might as well hit on it now. That's what I feel like is probably the catalyst as to what we're seeing in today's society, especially over the past two years, is you have so many people now that have never truly tasted adversity. They have never done things that are truly difficult. They may think that they're difficult, like, oh, oh, Mm -hmm. that's hard, that's difficult, but they've actually never truly pushed themselves to a point where they've hit failure, not quit, but they failed. Like their body literally cannot move them any farther. There's a difference between quitting and failure. And most people quit before they can actually fail because they don't have that proper hardened cognitive development, mental uh, development built in place beforehand. So because they've never really done the hard things, or if anything, they avoid them like the plague, they have never really hit rock bottom in the sense of without hitting rock bottom, you have never truly understood your own personal baseline. And because you don't know your own baseline, you're kind of in this weird limbo state where you really can't define anything yourself. Your, your, your theoretical gauge is broken. So because you don't have a gauge to measure depth, you, you think that everything is scary and everything is hard. So because of that, people now are living in this constant, like weird, like I said, limbo type area where they're really afraid to push themselves any farther because they don't know what's out there and in my opinion the most should I say the most the the strongest people I know both mentally mentally and physically do the hard things every day if not every day as often as possible yeah and I think that's that's a uh like an indictment of where we're at as a society right now is we're afraid of we've been conditioned right through Groomed, a lot of different yeah. ways, but just to we're coddled and that, you know, you, you're never failing. You're just, you know, you're just not as successful as the other person or it's not your fault. And, um, you know, and like, I feel like it, I've had the, you know, you go down the drain with that and it's like, you know, the helicopter parent, you know, generation and all that stuff. And, yeah. um, it's, and a lot of people, I think it's that they haven't necessarily even pushed themselves that way. Cause they, maybe not because they don't, it's not that they don't want to, they may just not know how, you know, exactly. and I feel like for a lot of people, once you, you discover these uh, opportunities, these challenges, or even learn how to challenge yourself properly, a lot of people turn it around. Um, oh, for sure. Not that I guess, I don't want to say, you know, say anybody was down like the wrong avenue in life beforehand and, you know, but um, this perspective, you know, and yes. Hey, think about things this way. Look at things this way. Um, if you put it in this, this context, right. It, it hits different, you know, I guess, um, it makes a different sort of sense. Yes. Um, you know, and I think that that for a lot of people, um, like you said, in the last couple of years, things have just been real shitty, uh, yeah. well, peaceful protests, uh, or something like that. Uh, <laughs> yes. you know, and people start to get, again, they go back to the, to the fear and not, you know, and a lot of people, I think finally kind of took that step and said, I, okay, I'm not, I'm not living like this anymore. Yeah. Uh, or, Hey, maybe at this point things are different. I have a family now or whatever. And I want to make sure that that's, 
something that I account for, something I'm able to protect, you know, something yes. I, you know, um, so yeah, that philosophy mindset, I think is a huge part of it or just the, the desire to not be a victim. Yeah. And in simplest it's, terms, it's, really, I think, yeah, no, you know, like, because as my, as I say with my model, like no one is coming to save you. And, and I, and I feel like within, you know, the, the past 20, 30 years or so we've grown technologically in our society to a point where we've inadvertently outsourced our own, not only physical safety, but also outsourced our own sensitivity of our own health to other people. And because of that, now we rely on these other people who have never walked a day in our shoes to tell us how to live our lives and what to take into our bodies because they know better than us in air quotes for people that can't see this. Um, And that's the sad exchange of it all is that people are inherently, you know, not people, humans in general, it's a known thing. Humans are inherently lazy. And because of that, they don't want to take the extra steps involved to develop that, that personal level of sensitivity within themselves, you know, to know what it really feels like when you feel like a little bit off and you're like, oh, I think I just need to, you know, just stretch more, or I need to, you know, maybe get used to moving my body every day and maybe doing like a two to three minute yoga flow first thing in the morning, just to wake my body up because I'm getting older Mm -hmm. now or like, huh, man, I really feel like shit after eating a bag of Doritos. Maybe I should stop eating Doritos, you know, like simple things like that, but people just don't want to take those extra steps, you know, and, and, and that's the, that's the kind of double-edged sword with technology as a whole. Like it's awesome in the sense of obviously because of it, you and I are able to communicate here on this podcast, but then you have also the other hugely negative impacts of it where, where we, we've slowly, in my opinion, kind of de-evolved into these, uh, automaton beings that uh, really can't think for themselves. And like I said, are relying on other people or other entities to determine which way that they go in life. Um, And that's what I try to uh, talk about in my seminars, not only on social media, but also like in in seminars to show people that, uh, you know, you need to rely on yourself, you know, when times are at the worst, you know, you, you can't, you can't be depending on other people or other organizations or other entities to come to your rescue, because if so, you're going to be in for a very rude awakening. And that's really a hard pill to swallow for most people, because most people taking responsibility of themselves is probably the scariest thing that they can ever do because that's a, that's a, it's a lot of responsibility to take on the responsibility yeah. of yourself, which, which sounds ridiculous and cliche from, for people that aren't in that mindset who, who, or should I say, who are in the mindset of, you know, uh, personal autonomy, but f- for most people, that's super scary and terrifying for them because now they can't, you know, point fingers and say, oh, well, I'm in this position yeah, because of so-and-so. Yeah. When and that was, able to, what I was going to say. Yeah. You yeah, can't when, when, just blame when, someone else. Exactly. You know, you have to be okay and have the humility to look in the mirror and say, I'm here because of that person in the mirror for good or for bad, you know? Right. Um, and that's, like I said, very, very difficult for most people to be able to have that level of humility to be able to take a big hard swallow and accept the fact that you are in this position because of yourself. Uh, that's, that's really hard for most people because people just have too much of an ego invested either well, mostly 
invested emotionally into whatever topic that it is that uh, they use to define themselves. And when it comes to your ego, your, your ego is something that we as humans can never get rid of. You can't just remove ego, you know, like uh, unless you're the, the Buddha himself, right? Yeah. Uh, but if, if we can't remove it, the very least we can do is just to be aware of it. You know, when we're like, oh, I'm getting too, I'm getting, I'm getting pulled into emotionally to that topic. Oh, I'm, I'm aware of that. I, I got to take a step back and take a breather here. Uh, but most people, like I said, won't do that. They just get pulled in emotionally and, and they define themselves as I am the military guy. I am the law enforcement guy. I am the gear guy. I am the gun guy. You know, that, that is who they are on a, uh, a emotionally drawn ego level. And that is how they define themselves. And if someone talks ill of whatever that thing that they define themselves as, that's where you have this, this conflict and strife arise right. about. Um, and that awareness and that sensitivity, I think, is lacking not only in society as a whole, but more so in uh, getting a little, probably a lot of uh, hit for this, but in the gun community as a whole, especially with the rise of social media, as, as we talked about before we started the show. Uh, people are all about the likes and the shares and getting yeah. the reels and, you know, hitting the, hitting the drop base beat, you know, zooming in on the presentation from the holster and zooming <laughs> out and, you know, pausing yeah. on the reload the and fancy editing. And, and, and yeah. I mean, Hey, it works, you know, it's, it, it, it is great marketing. That's awesome. But I feel like it's also uh, inadvertently developing a bad quote unquote habit for newer gun owners that are trying to get into the space. And now they're like, Oh, you know, I should learn, learn from that guy because he makes cool videos. And again, as we talked about before the show, just because someone has a large, you know, following per se, doesn't mean that they know how to teach or that they're even a good person as a whole. Yeah. So, so the only real way to, you know, go about making sure you're spending your money, your money wisely is, getting your voice out there, or should I say, um, asking the questions, people in your community, uh, people that you're friends with, um, and see like who they take classroom and, and give them their honest opinion. Or that's why still online, if you go and look at what we call an AAR or an after action report, it's a term that we use in the military. Basically, it's a summary of um, more specifically in this context, uh, how the class went. Uh, some of the ARs that I, you know, I have had students in the past that have written some for me and they are like super entailed. Like the, it's like on like a military doctrine level of how the breakdown was. And it was pretty impressive. So there That's is kind of plenty, cool, yeah. plenty of in, information out there, but again, it's on the student to do their due diligence and actually place effort into doing it beforehand and not just blowing their five, $600 on somebody that just has, you know, cool, social media picks in it and a big following. And that means that they're instantly credible as being a good coach or, or a good teacher. Yeah. And I feel like um, if, if that's how they handle it, then they're not going to get out of it what they're kind of jumping back a little bit, right? What they were looking for or that, that fulfillment or to, to re, like you're saying, reignite that fire, like whatever they were looking yeah. for without doing that kind of, uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I guess re, it amounts to research basically or, yeah. or vetting, you know? Yeah. You may not walk out of that class with what you were looking for. You know, you may be pretty disappointed and yeah. that can be damaging for a couple of different ways. That may, some people may go, well, screw this. I'm never going to fit in this community. I'm never going to yep. feel the way I want to feel Yeah, like, fuck it. I'm done. Um, 
or alternatively, you know, good courses, good instructors can lead people to be, I think, uh, inspired to want to do more, to want to continue to challenge themselves, uh, to want to continue to, to develop, you know, their, whether it's a skill set or develop their, their mindset and mentality, or, um, I mean, whatever, any combination of, of those things. Right. Um, and yeah, I think what's going on in the world right now makes it, it's very obvious that this kind of thing is something we've lost as a society, you know, I mean, um, over the last, I don't know, maybe 60, 70 years, it's been a slow, it's not like an overnight thing, you know, kind of like how we give away all of our gun rights. Um, it's never, <laughs> overnight, it's never an overnight battle. No, it's just um, one, it's one tiny bit. sliver after another, you know, and then yeah. that's where it be, just becomes a very slippery slope. And like you said, in the beginning, you know, it's been a slow conditioning, uh, a slow grooming over time per se, um, mm-hmm. till to how we ended up here. And it's always been the people that are like, well, it's not that bad or like, oh, well, I won't do that, but this is okay. But that is okay. It's like, no, not another inch not even another millimeter, you know, because that's how you end up in the positions that we're in now, you know, and and they're in it for the long game. You know, it's not necessarily our generation because our generation still remembers what it used to be like, but Mm -hmm. it's my, it's my kids, children that are probably not going to have those memories because it's going to be forgotten by then. unfortunately. Well, and like we were talking about before we started recording here, you know, people don't read anymore. Yeah. Or they, they, or, you know, they'll read, you know, short articles. They don't, it's like, we're part of this country, right. It's kind of like this, this weird crusade to erase history. Like, like, don't, uh-huh. yeah, don't look at that. That's not important. You don't need to yeah. not worry about it. And yeah. then you start looking at it and you start reflecting, you start to see kind of where we used to be. And I don't, and I'm not obviously saying we need to go back to how things were pre-technology. Right. But there used to be a certain way that people live their lives. There was a certain grit and determination and an attitude and just a way that you approached being an adult, uh, being an American, you know what I mean? And, um, for better or for worse, right. I think technology has played a huge part in that with social media, people connecting more and, um, you know, I I don't want to say civil rights, but you know, there's a lot of things that come to the forefront and I think it's conditioned people again to, you know, not that we're all hippies again or anything, but like, you know, peace and love for everyone. You don't need to worry yeah. about violence. You shouldn't own a gun. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's just, it's not the case. You know, I'm, I'm here in Detroit and I could tell you, honestly, there are about three places in Detroit. I would look at spending my free time um, for enjoyment and recreation. And that is, that is it. And Detroit's a big city, Yeah, you know, because there's a pretty high chance that some bad shit's going to happen. And a lot of people, Oh, that's not going to happen. You don't need to worry about that. Oh, it's not going to happen. Okay. Well you can go ahead and bet your ass on that. Like I'm not, I'm just not, (laughs) you know, I I'm going to carry a gun with me if I can't, because I know I'm going to be out drinking a little bit, then I'm going to avoid all of those areas. And I'm going to spend all my time here or I'll leave and go someplace, you know, that I know I'm not going to have to, you know, fight somebody. And so kind of just reading on your site a little bit, you know, I mentioned that you had, you've done some things you've, yes, you have, I guess the best way you have a wider lens, I think of the world and maybe to an extent, um, I guess humanity than yeah. what a lot of us get to see. Right. Cause yeah. like I've said before on this podcast, I've never served not yeah. law enforcement. Right. So I, I've heard some things, right. I've talked to a lot of people who have seen some, some fucked up shit, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think that 
your experiences and what you've seen, right. Have led you to kind of a, what you believe today, what you teach today. Right. Yes. And how did you, I guess, how did you get here? Right. And what was sure. that kind of like? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, because I think that plays into this whole conversation. You yeah. Know? Yeah. When, so w- when I was growing up as a kid, I am an only child. Uh, I never did traditional team-based sports as a kid. Uh, my father used to do semi to amateur professional cross-country mountain bike racing. So oh, I've been cool. on like a bicycle pretty much as soon as I could walk. That was kind of my sport as a kid. Whenever, you know, in the summertime, uh, we used to go to pretty much all the regional mountain bike races for my dad because he, he didn't do it full-time. He stole a full-time job at General Electric. Actually, he worked there for almost four decades and he pretty much, he's about the same size as me. So he could actually fit down in the engine the cell itself and tinker around so he worked on pretty much every fixed wing and rotary wing military aircraft you can imagine you know the apache cobra black hawk f-16 wow. f-15 f-14 pretty much anything that can take off off a runway or take off vertically like a harrier helicopter he's worked yeah. on in some way shape or form um so when i was growing up that's basically what i did we would go up to vermont in the mountains and do the bike races and things like that and um i definitely wasn't the type of man that I am today. When I was a kid, I I was very soft-spoken as a child. I had a stuttering problem when I was a child. I wasn't very confident in myself. Um, I got picked on a lot because I was very small for my size and for my age. Mm -hmm. Uh, And ironically enough, I actually became more confident in myself uh, where most people wouldn't, which is in high school. Uh, I I uh, had a good group of friends in high school. I ended up doing the uh, junior ROTC program in high school, which is basically like a kind of like a military-ish program at the high school. Some high schools offer it. It's basically they have a retired military member there. That's the instructor, the teacher, like they're, they're part of like the, the actual school itself, but they teach you about, you know, you know, like how to wear uniform and, and, and it all depends on what branch of the J Rossi program they have. So I had the Marine J, J Rossi program at my high school, which ended up, I guess, ended up being the catalyst for me going into the service. Uh, even before I was in high school, I knew I always wanted to serve just for my dad's background, working at GE and all the stories that I had read. And it was just something that I was wanting to do. And when I perceive what branch to do, you know, as a 16, 17 year old kid, I, I perceived the hardest quote unquote, hardest branch to do was <laughs> the, the Marine Corps. Marines, That's yeah. what I figured that, 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 that was the one to do. Uh, and I basically signed up or I didn't sign up. My mom had to sign a waiver cause I was 17, but I was so motivated at the time that I had my mom sign a waiver so I could sign up a year before graduation from high school. And I signed up at 17 wow. and, uh, at, uh, 10 days after I graduated high school, I graduated on the 2nd of June. And on the 12th of June, I was standing on the yellow footprints on Paris Island uh, in South Carolina. And then from there, I went to boot camp. Uh, immediately from there, I, I decided, you know, again, if you're going to join the Marine Corps, you're going to do what they're known for, which is the infantry to close with and destroy the enemy by fire and maneuver. You know, yep. I'm not going to go to the Marine Corps and become a chef. Like that just made any sense. Why would I do that? Uh, so I figured I'd do the infantry. So did that. And uh, I was in the Marine Corps from 2006 to 2010. I served with third battalion, second Marines down in Camp Lejeune in North Carolina. And uh, 
My first deployment, I was in the Al-Qaim region of Iraq. So it's kind of in the northwestern-ish quadrant of, of Iraq, right on the Syrian border. That's the uh, main base that, that we were out of. Uh, it was actually a uh, it was kind of a defining moment when, when we were there in November of 07 because they opened up a point of entry from Iraq into Syria, like a major trading route for vehicles and stuff. Um, they actually had like a border control checkpoint. They actually had guys that were that work for the U.S. Border Patrol that were contracted over there to work like the border control checkpoint. They were wearing like the army. That's crazy. fatigues, but instead wow. of U.S. Army on, on the patch, it said U.S. Border Patrol, and they were making the, I was talking to a few of them, they were making the big buku dollars working over there, uh, but I was there from 07, 08 um, as a saw gunner on, on my first deployment, so the saw is essentially a uh, squad automatic weapon, it's, it's essentially a belt-fed uh, 5.56. Five, were you the smallest guy on your fire team? At the time, yeah. When I graduated boot camp, <laughs> two, two, two things happen in boot camp. Either you gain weight or gain size or you lose weight. I lost it. So I left boot camp at like 142 pounds at, at five foot 10. So I was I just like, heard that they like, like to the, do that because they think it's hilarious. I had like the sunken eyes and yeah. Oh, 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 yeah. Yeah. For, yeah. So when I got to the fleet and I got to my unit, they're like, oh, yeah, you're going to be the saw gunner. So I went on patrol but with 900 to 1,000 rounds on a, on a belt usually. And then you have your support equipment, obviously, you know, food, water you know, flares, all, all that type of stuff mm -hmm. when you're on foot patrol. Uh, and then on my second deployment, we're all, we were all over the Mediterranean and I was a team leader at that point. And then when we, when we returned from that, I decided like this wasn't for me and I exited the Marine Corps after four years. And then after I got out, I uh, went back home and unfortunately I was born in the draconian and communist state of Massachusetts, as I like to joke and say. <laughs> uh, so I uh, went back home and I used the GI bill and I went to college at Salem state university in Salem, Mass. And I ended up with my bachelor's in communication with a concentration in journalism and a minor in psychology in 2014. Uh, while I was in college, I kind of did various odds and end jobs. Um, I actually on on the side is where I first started getting my feet as, uh, as I say, wet teaching within the private sector. In Massachusetts, you basically have to jump through hoops of fire in order to obtain your license to carry in that state. You have to take a basically a six to eight hour, as I call death by PowerPoint class. It's called the BFC, the basic firearms class. And it basically like the very basic, like is, here is the is, muzzle, here is the trigger, here is a single action separate. revolver, here's a double action revolver. Is that separate from like the the like the regular CPL classes that we see, like is that in addition? Yeah, so it, yeah, it's basically Massachusetts equivalent to a CPL class. Okay. Um, okay. And then they teach you mass law, which is a joke because the mass gun law is like the, the definition of gray. Like there's like, oh well, you know, we really don't know if you can do that. I mean, intentionally I vague. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's so vague, uh, and it's done like that intentionally, because, you know, because it wards people away from wanting to carry, because they don't want you to be able to defend yourself in that state. Uh, so did that. Also worked for an executive protection firm out of the Greater Boston area. So we worked alongside international dignitaries with the State Department, such as the Dalai Lama, when he was visiting and doing his uh, circuit wow. of talks and speeches Pretty and stuff big. like that. Yeah. 
Um, also when the Rolling Stones were visiting, doing their rock tour, my, my principal with the principal is just the term in the EP world that you use for the, the individual that you're protecting your protectee. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my principal was Keith Richards from the Stones and, and yes, wow. he was, uh, every definition you can think of, like basically a walking skeleton, couldn't understand a word he was saying. And, uh, they were all in by awesome. nine o'clock at night because, you know, they're not, you know, they're like 117 years old at this point. Yep. Um, <laughs> so did that. And then of course, did your stereotype, as I uh, say, your stereotypical door work at less than desirable bars and less than desirable areas of Boston, which really opened my eyes to the normalcy of everyday criminal interaction, you know, seeing like, you know, AKs and guns bought out of the back of trunks really? right on the main main street and wow. uh you know straight up straight up brawls and con- con- you know confined spaces knives coming out people getting stabbed you know just absolute chaos trying to manage that um and then finally in 2014 after i graduated uh college really had no rhyme or reason to stay in mass it just wasn't it it, it wasn't congruent with the trajectory that i was on for wanting to teach because this is when i was really figuring out like this is something that i really want to pursue and uh, moved up here to where I now reside, New Hampshire. Uh, worked for an, another locally based training company as their cadre. And then finally in 2017, uh, after still having a full-time job on the side, which I hated, but again, you do what you need to do to put food on the table for the yep. family. Yep. Uh, so in 2017, with a mortgage, a wife and three kids, uh, I decided to give my two-week notice. And I have been doing this full-time ever since. So typically I teach between... 40 to 42 seminars a year, uh, starting in February. And usually my last one is around end of November, beginning of December. Then I have about a, you know, a month or two off and then hit it right back and keep going for the next year. Um, so I teach anything and everything ranging from rifle to pistol, to working a rifle out of a bag, to working from, uh, you know, pistol out of concealment. And of course, combatives as well. Combatives is a, is a huge part of not only, uh, what I believe in teaching wise, but also on a a philosophical level, like what I believe in for myself as a human. I've been doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu for uh, almost 11 years now. And like I said, it's probably a bigger part of my life than actually shooting a gun is. Um, It's, it's by far defined who I am as not only a, 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 a friend um, and a teacher, but also a, a father and a husband as well for the better. Um, I highly recommend anyone and anybody that is capable to try it out, you know, not, not, not even just jujitsu, but really any form of modern martial arts um like obviously striking arts are are great boxing muay thai things like that but i really feel like there's something on a dna and biological level that we all as humans have in common with is some form of grappling whether it be wrestling jujitsu sambo judo um some type of human on human body entanglement there's just something visceral and, and feral that I like to say about it, that, that really helps you really connect to, to, you know, our, our history as humans, like grappling has been in use since, you know, since the Greco Roman era, you know, as, as, as soon as, you know, we could emerge from caves, that's pretty much how, how we would fight, you know, two guys get yeah. entangled and the stronger guy wins essentially. 
Um, and I, I can tell you that anytime that I'm stressed after coming back from a trip or this or that, all I need to do is just go and get on the mats at my school and just get choked out, you know, four, four <laughs> or five rounds. And I feel yeah. significantly better, which is really kind of the, the irony. When I, when I try to explain this to people who've never done it before, you're like, wait, you actually feel more relaxed after getting the shit beaten at you. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly what it is. And, and I really can't explain what it is, but I, I, I can tell you that over the years and, 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 you know, going to my school that, you know, people come in after a long day of work and they're, you know, they're kind of quiet and they're kind of like, you can tell that they're kind of internally stressing about, you know, stress of life in general, family, work, whatever, you know, work yeah. bills, all type of stuff. And by the end of that hour, you know, grinning ear to ear, slapping fists, just having a great time. Um, so that by far, not only, like I said, how it defines me as a person, but also how it is carried over um, into how I teach uh, really kind of uh, defines what Runation is as well. So, I mean, <clears throat> looking at at kind of the, the breadth of experience you had there, because that's, you know, the EP thing is, at least from what I've, the little bit that I've gleaned from a couple other uh, podcasts, um, military, entirely separate yeah. from that, right? And then yeah. also the the bar piece that you mentioned um yeah you know so at, at what point i guess i'm sure it all kinds of bleeds together right and yeah but at what point did you decide that like that this was I, I, was there any specific moment i suppose that you decide that teaching these kinds of life-saving skills or just or teaching people how to take care of themselves essentially right was was what you wanted to do i mean was there uh, I, I mean, I'm just, you, yeah, you yeah, talk yeah. A lot about bars and stuff. And I'm thinking, you know, I've seen some pretty sketchy shit in Detroit and I can only imagine, you know, what some of that might look like. I know Boston is not yeah. all the great things in Boston, like God bless Tom Brady, but you know, there's <laughs> probably not some, there's probably some areas that are less. Oh than, yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. No, there's uh I don't really think there was actually a defining moment per se. I just think it was just a, just kind of gaining momentum over the years, but I do feel like it originally sparked from my childhood of just being picked on and, 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 and being bullied. And I just felt that no one should ever have to feel that way. Um, no one should, you know, not have the ability to defend themselves, to stand up for themselves, to um, have that aura of confidence that is surrounded by people that do the hard things. Um, and that's why I, I honestly feel that that's what honestly carried me into this direction of wanting to enrich another person's life. Uh, because I personally have seen how much it's transformed my life. And I figured why not be able to, uh, you know, carry that on or, or, or give that ability to someone else, you know, like, even if it's being able to make that husband or that, or that, that father or that mother that much more confident in themselves that they then pass that on to their child and their child then passes it on to their child. Like yeah. to me, that's what it means about kind of leaving a legacy behind because we're all going to die. We're all going to be nothing but bones and dust either you know, sitting right. in an ashtray or somewhere in the ground at some point like that, that's going to come for all of us. Can't stop that. So in the meantime, what are you doing today to 
create a lasting memory that is going to live on way past your physical body. That's what I kind of look at it, look at it. And that's what kind of carried me on to wanting to actually teach is to more or less show, show others that they're, like I said, said in the beginning, much more capable than they originally have thought, because a lot of people, you know, will come into seminars and, you know, they're completely stressed out after the safety brief, you know, they're, they're, they're waiting to do the cold start and you can just see the, just the, you know, the white skin, all the, the blood leaving their face, you know, they're just like sitting there <laughs> yeah. just stressing out, ready to go. And then they either pass or they fail the cold start. And then after that, you know, it's like a, still a little bit of stressful and then probably minimum by lunchtime, everyone is talking to one another uh, because, you know, especially if, if it's an all, if it's an all guys seminar, you know, as guys, we try to, you know, be very stoic and, you know, try to stand off to the side, you know, like <laughs> we're the lone wolf and we don't need any, you know, you don't need anybody. And then everyone's trying to like, strangely, like feel, yeah. feel each other out, you know, like sky cool, like what do you do for a living, this and that. But then again, even before lunch, everyone's, you know, joking with each other. Everyone's, you know, trading contacts, you know, what's your social media handle. And then next thing I know, I come back next year and they're like, oh yeah, you know, we've been trained together, you know, since, since the last time you're out here and, you know, we train together, you know, like every week or once a month. And, you know, we have barbecues together right now and we bring the family together. And like, for, to me, like, that's what it's about. It's creating that, that network, that community, that, um, that that brethren with, with, you know, of that, that as cliche, that sounds that brotherhood, because I feel like, again, in today's society, the whole toxic masculinity and, you know, in this pride in being a man and, and in having that network of solid individuals is like, you know, spit upon like, Oh, don't do that. You know, don't be proud of yeah. you know it's... yourself or what you stand for or your ideals or your code of ethics or any of that, yeah. you know, if it's you do do that, you know, that, you're yeah. a bigot. Yeah, yeah, it's tough to, to, and I think everyone's a little bit, I don't want to say afraid, but you're kind of, you're apprehensive, right? About, about making those kinds of connections just in, in today's society oh, yeah. and stuff. Like yeah. even like, you know, some, some, you know, social media guys, yeah, let's go shoot together. And it's like, I can honestly tell you, cause I've had like people I went to high school with reach out and I'm like, I don't know what your, <laughs> like what your competency is like, I ain't trying to get shot in the ass or anything like. Yeah. Or, you know, or like, so, dude, I remember you from high school. Like you had a hell of a temper. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, that, 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 well, that friend in uh, specifically, and, and he's a great dude. Like it's funny. I actually went all the way through school, like kindergarten on up with the guy and in high school, he really came in like the temper phase. And mm-hmm. then now he's like just super chill, like very cool. And they go great yeah. family and everything. And, um, but I, he reached out, he's like, yeah, man, let's go to the gun range. I'm like, uh, <laughs> okay. so we, and we did and we went yeah, yeah, yeah. it was a good time you know and it was all good but i was definitely weird about it so um like i get you know you're trying to feel people out and you want to like connect with people that are gonna they're gonna help elevate you and you're gonna be comfortable you know with and everything and that's i, I mean i have and I, I haven't even taken one of your courses yet but yeah. that you know i feel like good instructors help try to nurture that you know maybe oh, not yeah. to the extent that you guys do but make the connections, build your network and, and, and build your community that you want to be with, you know, uh, you shouldn't have to hide who I, I don't want to say you don't have to hide who you are, but like, you shouldn't have to hide that, like, uh, that, that you shoot or that you feel yeah. a certain way about things or that, you know, you, you live your life to a certain level of accountability and that, you know, the guy 
we all have that one friend right at the barbecue is just there bitching about how he had to work oh, during yeah. lockdown and he wanted to be off the whole time getting a free paycheck and yeah you know and it's like you and your other buddy exchanging glances like i'm not going to say it to him you say it to him like you know and then you just got to there and listen to it. like that kind of shit uh yeah. the community piece is huge for a yeah. lot of different reasons um yeah. i think that's why it's great um you know we were talking before we started about uh robbie uh, yep. over at Ann Arbor arms. Yes. And I've made a handful of connections already and I've only been to a couple classes there with him. Um, yeah, no, they, 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 they have a solid core, dudes, core group of guys there for sure. Yeah. And it's, it helps because then it brings in, you know, it helps to bring in guys out because I'm an hour away, you know, I'm not yeah. close. Um, but it helps to bring people together and you have conversations, you learn from each other or even, you know, start to reach out and schedule stuff. Like, Hey man, we got this other range that sometimes me and this other group go with, like, let's, let's go train, you know, yeah. I'll vouch for you. They're solid dudes. Like let's. And, and again, like that's, that's what it's about. Not only from like a human uh, standpoint, but also from a standpoint of, you know, we are vilified as the bad people who own guns in this country. You know, we, we have been, and apparently we will continue being, you know, the bad people for wanting yeah. the, or desiring the ability to have personal ownership of, of firearms. You know, that is one of the main defining mark of what makes America America is the fact that we have that ability. Yeah, sure. There's some ability of that in other European countries, but you have to jump through hoops of fire, but it's not as free flowing, we'll say, as yeah, it is. It's not guaranteed in America. Yeah, it's not guaranteed. Not guaranteed like no. And, and then that's what, that's what makes us America. And a lot of people don't like that. Don't like the ability that people have the, ability to do that and that's why and, i feel like we should do that you yeah know? that's and the one why, a lot. <laughs> I, I hate i like i love and i hate those questions where people will either leave comments online or they'll you know in conversation like, well why do you need that yeah. whether it's ownership of a firearm or if you're looking at something like um learning how to to room clear or yeah. learn how to successfully um defend yourself uh i in and around your vehicle, yeah. you know, because that's now that the world's coming back from COVID, we're all driving more again and everything. Yeah. And it, yeah. and it's, uh, I think it's something that's incredibly valuable, not something I've been able to train on yet, but you know, if you look pre COVID, right. If you remove the pandemic from everything, how much time do people spend in their vehicles every day? Oh yeah. You know, like, or every week. Yeah. It's a shitload. It adds up. So, you know, people look at it and they go, well, why do you need to learn how to do that? And like, well, because bad shit happens to you in a variety of environments yeah it's not always when you're standing there squared up with somebody ready to go um well well and, and well rhetorical questions like that occur because it all stems back to what we were talking about before where people don't want to admit the fact that the, these things can happen no matter if you shown them show them all of the closed circuit security yep. camera because then they have to take ownership available. then they have to acknowledge that they're Yes. part of the problem and only through them can we have a real solution and Absolutely. it's not convenient it's it's not convenient it's it it's scary it's uh it's uneasy for most people yeah uh because again taking that that personal level of ownership means that 
now you have to start from square one again. And especially people that really have never done the hard things over the course of their lifetime since a child, trying to, trying to, trying to nurture that ability to endure as a semi-adult, which that age range is definitely slowly pushing back, you know, like most mid 20 year olds act like 17 year olds nowadays. (laughs) So trying to get people into that, uh, that thought process at an older age, if they've never done it before in a younger age is very difficult. And because of that, they, uh, then ask the rhetorical questions or at, or uh, make, you know, passive aggressive remarks such as that uh, because just like how most bullies are bullies because they're insecure in themselves. They ask those questions because again, just like the bully, they're insecure with themselves. So they want to try to make the under the other individual question themselves more or less try to gaslight um maybe you probably heard that term before yep. but they're yep. basically trying to gaslight you in the sense of thinking that what you're doing is pointless when in reality it's because they have failed to succeed in making themselves a individual of worth more or less yeah, those people are and anybody listening to this if you think about some of those moments you may have run into on your own those people so we all i feel like we all have like that friend or like those friends that we have a handful of those people that are like we know they're not total shitbag human beings but they're just they're those people right um they're pros at making themselves the victim oh yeah and they are pros at pointing out why nothing everything that has gone wrong in their life is somebody else's fault um and it's weird because you would think or, or I would think, and maybe that's what sets people like, like me and, and yourself right apart is that at some point you hit that, that wall, like the, like the bullshit is just like too much. And you're like, you know what? Enough's enough. Like, I'm not living this way. I'm not doing this. Like, what is it going to take to change this? Like, I hate my house. I hate where I live. Like, fuck this place. What am I going to do? I'm going to move. All right. Well, that's going to suck. And looking for a house sucks and the market right now is bad. Like, well, I, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to make it happen whatever I have to do. You know what I mean? Um, and that there's the people that are going to make it work. And then there's people that just, they just float, you know, they just float through life like a lump of shit and they just exist. As I say. And, uh, and it's, it's never their fault. They're not accountable for anything. Um, and it's really, it's really unfortunate because I feel like that, uh, I guess that portion of our population for lack of a better term at the moment is, is growing. I think, I feel like it's fed by what we were talking about earlier, right. With that culture of, uh, social media and, yeah. uh, liberal media and, uh, celebrities, you know, them, right. Oh and yeah. Them telling them how are you telling us how we should live and eat and, um, you know, like fucking Matthew McConaughey getting on the podium at the White House, yep. telling the world somebody who has had a security detail for probably the last 20 years of his life. Right. Yeah. Um, well, I'm from Texas, so I, I like the Second Amendment. But, you know, the, and it's, the amount of cognitive dissonance is palpable with yes. uh, those type of people. Um, they just fail. They, they fail to connect the dots in the sense of how. Uh, ridiculous it is uh, for them to be forming an opinion when they are just living 
a lifestyle that 99% of Americans couldn't even imagine, uh, nor have they ever, you know, stepped a foot in their shoes, nor have they ever stepped a foot in our shoes down to our quote unquote peasant level, you know? Yeah. They'll never be Um, faced with what we, I mean, and vice versa, right. For the most part. So they'll probably due to their elevated wealth, never have to look at a, at a self-defense situation. Maybe not Mm -hmm. never, but they would likely not have to because they pay people to, you know, quite literally in some instances, take the bullet for them. Um, you know, but for the rest of us, we, I mean, there's nothing wrong with wanting to own that accountability to be able to put yourself in the best situation you can, right. To, to handle whatever scenario you end up in. Um, and it could be anything. So people, why you need that? Why do you think you're going to need that? Well, I mean, I sure, I don't know, but I bet you sure as shit, anybody who knew they were going to get into a car accident would make sure they weren't in the yeah. fucking car when it was going to happen. Anyone that gone to a, you know, no one probably would have left their house. So they knew they were going to get into a gunfight that day. Yeah. We, we, we don't have a magic crystal ball. That's going to define for us. What's going to happen. The minute that we step outside of our doors, like, like living in general is probably one of the most dangerous things that, you know, yeah. we can do as humans. And, and, and the fact that we even exist, you know, is, is a, is a, you know, one in was it one in 400 billion chance that we are, uh, that we end up being a human being. So now we have a very, you know, small chance to exist in the first place. And now if we do exist, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's very unsafe in general. Like I could, walk outside my house and get hit by a car or, you know, a tree could fall down on me or whatever, you know, all the possibilities mm-hmm. that are out there. Um, but I just feel like we've ended up being conditioned to live in a safer society, which is great. You know, like I'm, I'm grateful every day that I step outside my house and I don't have to worry about, you know, stepping on, uh, you know, a pressure plate on an IED or, you know, something like yeah. that. But it doesn't mean that we get to just, you know, be Lottie da and the rain, the, the world is full of rainbows and unicorns. Like that's not, that's not how it works either. So it's a healthy balance of like being able to obviously enjoy life and enjoy the beauty that exists in the life that we have, but also not being too, so naive that we're also ignorant of the fact that there are bad people out there that, you know, would, wouldn't even blink of doing bad things to us at any right. given moment, yeah. obviously dependent on the area that you live in. Right. Like I have a, where I live out in the sticks here in New Hampshire, I'm, I'm, it's very unlikely for me to be involved in a mugging. Like if anything, the, the, my, my rifle has been used more since I've had it. Uh, since I moved to, to my house here to defend my chicken coop from raccoons than actual, you know, human beings, you know, uh, somebody awesome. that maybe lives in a more urban area, like near you in Detroit or yep. um, other more, like I said, urban areas more near the city. It's probably a different story. Um, but I intentionally place myself here, you know, like I worked enough in the city to realize like, I don't want to freaking live here. You know, like I, I, I told myself that at a given point, I want to, you know, move to a, you know, desolate small town uh, and not have to worry about that type of stuff. And I'm grateful for the ability to be able to have that. You know, people are like, it takes you an hour and a half to get to the airport. I'm like, yeah, damn right. It does want to be as far away from any industrial area as possible. I'm okay with having an hour and a half drive. Like I'm perfectly okay with that. Most people aren't. Some people thrive and enjoy living in the city. For me, I'm I'm the opposite. Like I get anxiety when when I, when I, when I start driving near the city, like give me some trees and some forests and I'm good to go. 
Yeah. And that's why I, I think that, you know, because obviously urban areas, large cities are, are population centers. Yep. And there's obviously where there's more people, a greater likelihood something could happen to you. And why, you know, I advocate for a lot of people or anyone really <clears throat> that talks to me about buying a firearm, I go, okay, you can get your CPL. Well, no. You go, okay, why not? Well, I don't really want to carry a gun. You know, are you sure? Well, not really. I mean, I don't yeah. know. You know, and then it, it's, it ends up, it's like, well, they're just, they're scared. They're nervous. Yeah. The reality yeah. is they don't want to face the question of what if I had to shoot someone yep. and okay, but wouldn't you want that choice given yeah. a life or death scenario where you are fighting somebody for your life or your child's life or, or whatever your spouse, wouldn't you want to at least have the choice? Hey, I could pull this trigger and stop this person. I may kill them, but I will save myself, my loved one, whatever. Or I don't have that option at all. And whatever that, whatever happens, happens, you know, at least give yourself the option, uh, learn about it. You may find that you, you know, you really go down, I don't want, you know, use the term go down the rabbit hole, but you buy into this again, mindset, this philosophy, philosophy of self preservation. You want to know how to do that. And I think that, um, that's why it irritates me that our, we require everyone to take these classes for, for CPLs while ultimately teaching them. So you mentioned how like intentionally gray everything is where you had to take yours in Massachusetts. Yeah. Yep. It's not much better, if any better here in Michigan. Um, I spent about seven hours watching uh, very bad, like nineties NRA yeah. uh, VHSs, and then put 20 rounds on an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper at like 10 feet. Yep. The- and that that's actually a good tangent to go off of because that uh, that is why I that's why I have a love hate relationship or a or a double edged sword that I believe in with constitutional carry. Like here in New Hampshire, we have constitutional carry, uh, mm-hmm. which I'm super grateful for. That only recently changed, I think maybe three or four years ago. Like you, before that, you still had to apply for a license to carry, but you don't have to take any class. You literally just went to your town office. You paid, I think like 50 bucks. And it was on like this little, like tiny or not. I was actually an obnoxious, like piece of paper. And you would just take a picture of it and like shrink it down and then like laminate it and just have it in your wallet. Like it was, it looked like, like, like a kindergartner could made it. Like it wasn't any like official, whatever, but you pay 50 bucks good for five years, four or five years, whatever. Then they passed constitutional carry. And, uh, like I said, I have a love-hate relationship with it because people uh, now here in New Hampshire are like, well, I can just go to a gun store, do a background check, and they could theoretically literally just load it in the parking lot and just holster it on their body, conceal it, and they're good to go. They could technically right. do that. Again, like a lot of things in life, just because you can doesn't mean you should, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I believe that, yes, it is our right as Americans for the Second Amendment to be able to you know, carry and, 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 and own a firearm and, and, and all that. However, if you're going to do so, be an adult and go out there and get the training, right? Get like yeah, no, one's, no one's, no one's putting a gun to your head and saying, you got to carry this gun, right? Like you are making that conscious decision to go out there and carry a loaded gun in public space. You're carrying literally mm-hmm. a, a tool that can end another human life in public space. And if you think you're going to be able to magically just present these 
life or death technical skills on the worst day of your life, you're going to be in for a rude awakening. Um, and that's why I obviously tell people to obviously train, right? And right. that doesn't mean you need to, you know, necessarily take a class every month if you can. Awesome. You know, good for you if you can afford that. You know, I, I tell people, you know, maybe take one quarterly if you can. If not, take one beginning of the year, end of the year. And then if at the very least, take at least something once a year at the absolute minimum, you know, to, to at least have something that you can use at an, as an audit for your personal level of of training. It's a perishable skill. People don't realize that you you can't, Oh, well, I went to the range in February. So, okay. It's October. What have you done since then? Oh, it's, it's in my nightstand. Like, well, that's outstanding. That's, that's yeah. great. Uh, yeah. you're, you're a liability more than anything at this uh, point. Oh yeah. And you know, I would, and, and I have plenty of people who, you know, have reached out to me or who are friends or have taken private, you know, training with me. And they said like, you know, I just want to have this as a home defense gun because I'm not comfortable carrying public space. Great. Awesome. Thank you for having that conversation with me. I would much rather somebody s- tell that to me and have that honest conversation with themselves and say, like, I'm not comfortable or, or, or cool or confident in my abilities to be able to carry this loaded thing around other people. Then cool, let's have it as a home defense gun versus somebody who has never taken a level of training, but because their great grandpappy showed them how to shoot, you know, a nickel plated 1911 that he brought back, you know, from the war 30 yeah. years ago that just because of that, they now think that they can, you know, now carry in public space with no additional training. And that's the scary part. Um, and, and that's where it's a double-edged sword of constitutional carry is that, you know, you now potentially have untrained people in public space with a loaded gun. And if my greatest fear is somebody then, you know, after shooter scenario or whatever it is, somebody with a gun, they draw their gun. Now they yank around off because they've never been in a situation like that. And they either, you know, hit a ricochet off the ground and hit somebody, or it just completely goes off target. And now they've shot in, you know, a non-threat, you know, they've, they've shot somebody in public space because they've never done yeah. the additional training. And it, I think it comes back to confidence. Like we were, we were kind of talking about earlier, you know, people are, are in one, in one circumstance, they're fearful. They don't want to be victims again. Right. You want to give them the confidence to defend yeah. themselves. Um, overconfidence is, is just as much a problem in my mind. Um, because very often, this is one of the things I talked about with, uh, Drew Estel when I had him on a couple of weeks ago is he, uh, when he runs his classes, he put, he said he puts out like a little survey and has guys check like on a one to five, you know, where are you at five being a grandmaster? And, um, that's never the case, right? Cause if they really were, they, they probably wouldn't need to seek you out for training because they, yeah already know, you know, all those things, all the things. Um, yeah. yeah. And that overconfidence can lead just as badly as, uh, underconfidence can, uh, manifest itself and, and you'll end up doing something wrong, making a mistake because you are so afraid of making a mistake. You think it into existence, right. With overconfidence, you don't take the time to think. And then yes. that's also a problem. And in both scenarios, if you don't have the proper conditioning, I think, mentally more than anything, right. Yeah. To, to process that information correctly in both scenarios, you're more a liability than anything. So it's in my mind anyways, and I don't know if I'm, what your thoughts are, but it's a balance between those two of having an appropriate amount of confidence and ability. 
oh yeah, no, whether it's on the range or on the mats, like you need to be able to take the L, as I like to say, and be able to move on with your life and not get hung up on the fact that you bombed out a drill or you got submitted on the mat or whatever it is. And the people that can't, usually I'll never see them again in a seminar. Or if we're talking about jujitsu, they'll come in for, you know, the, the, the free beginner, you know, I just starting class and you'll never see him again because especially in jujitsu, uh, as uh, a well-known black belt, Eddie Bravo has said, it's a filter for douchebags, uh, <laughs> people that have an overzealous ego and people who are too full of themselves. They don't last in that sport because you literally have to be okay with getting crushed, especially for the first basically the first couple of years at the minimum, especially as a white belt, like as a white belt, you're just surviving. You're, you're literally just trying to survive every time that you get on the mat with a higher belt or even with another white belt. Um, and then obviously slowly you start to progress and you start to develop your own game and get a little more confident in yourself. Uh, but you're still always battling somebody that is going to be better than you. Right. And to be able to have that humility to, to be okay with like, you'll have your, your, you know, up days and your down days, you know, just like with going to classes or going to even to the range by yourself or, or with friends, like you'll have good range days and you'll have really shitty ones where like, you'll be packing up and you'll be like, why the fuck did I even come here today? <laughs> but it's being able to go. And, and again, I'll use the parallels between both jujitsu and in the range. Cause like I said, they are near and dear to my heart. You know um, it's being able to get up and go to the range or get on the mat, even when you don't want to, even if it's like say an outdoor range and, and it's really shitty weather out and you're still going to go regardless, be able to fight through the rain or the wind or the shitty weather, or even when you're driving to jujitsu and you don't want to, and you're tired and your fingers hurt and you you know, your whole body is aching, but still being able to go in regardless, like that is where fortitude is forged. In my opinion, uh, that is where you're going to come out the side, a better person, whether you realize or not, obviously, if it's a bad day at the range or a bad day in the mats, all you're going to do is unintentionally focus on all the stuff that you could have done better. But at the end of the day, you're still better than the person that's still sitting on the couch saying right. that they're going to go one day yeah. or oh, I'll go to the range next time. Shitty weather out or, oh, you know, I'll do that jujitsu thing maybe next month or whatever, but they never will. Uh, but even just being able to, to get up and go and get on the range or pay the money to the class and swallow your pride and get in there and become better. Um, you're still becoming better than you were the day before. In my opinion, that's better than anything else that you can do. Yeah. It's always a, a learning experience, right? Either you're learning yeah. how to succeed, you're learning what not to do to succeed, you know? Um, <clears throat> and I think if you approach it with that kind of a mindset, and I think a lot of people do, right. That they actually want to be better at these things. Um, I mean, you can, you feel like you said, you bomb out a drill, you know, you have a bad day, like take it in stride, understand that it happens. And yep. yeah, you, you mean like, you're going to not, it's not like you're just going to forget it, right. You're going to remember, and it's going to bother you for yep. a little bit. And next time you get, you know, either to the mats, you get to the range, whatever. Next time you take a class, like back your brain, you're gonna be like, all right, I'm not doing that again. Like, fuck this. It's going to be better this time. And that's, you drive yourself to be better. And and to, to build off of, I don't really think it's fair to call it failure, but just, Hey, I know that I did, I did not do what I wanted to last time. And I'm going to work that much harder at, you know, correcting that 
that error, that mistake, that, that thing, you know, yeah. uh, make you, myself you, more successful. You have to be okay with intentional ego death. You have to be okay with the fact that uh, yeah. you are going to be hurt emotionally uh, because especially, especially as men, like I, I always joke and say that, that, that women are always better students, in my seminars, because they don't really have an overzealous ego to, to play off of. They're Probably usually true, pretty yeah. <laughs> cool, calm and collective. And they're like, okay, so what could I have done better on that drill? Like before I even like, oh, I think that they're like, okay, they, they already know they messed up and they're completely like level, level headed, calm, cool and collective about it. And then they want to see what they can do better. Uh, with guys, obviously, it's a, it's, it's a different story. It's like build into our DNA because we want to be better because we are, you know, genetically the protectors, the the hunters, the gatherers. We are the ones at the gate, so to speak. So yeah. because of that, we're always yearning to, you know, push one more rep to shave a second off, to get another repetition and to um, get another submission. And we're always looking to be even just 1% better. So in the beginning stages of your learning, again, whether it be with a, you know, live fire tool, like in a, in a context of a, of a, of a, of a gun class or whether it be in martial arts or, or whatever, you're really going to have to swallow your pride in the beginning and be okay with, you know, um, starting from day one, so to speak. And that's what most people don't want to do because again, we've, we've grown from a child to an adult. We think that we know everything about the world. We think that we're capable enough. And then we get to this class and we just bombed out a drill and they're like, Oh, I think, you know, it's the, the think the dots off or, you know, it's that damn ammo or man, I should have cleaned the barrel or, whatever bullshit my Glock shoots low and left. Yeah. Yeah. My Glock shoots low and left, uh, whatever bullshit you, that your, that your ego wants to, uh, uh, prophesize for you, so to speak, that's what you are, you know, unintentionally going to emotionally get attached to. Uh, but the moment that you can be like, yep, I, I totally bombed that. Like, I, I'm going to take the L on that. Like, I'll, I'll be honest, you know, I bombed my, my own cold start. Like I'm, I'm human. You know, I, I'm, I'm an imperfect creature, just like all of my students. I'm not like this uh, person that, that sits above the soapbox and looks down, you know, as my, at my followers, so to speak, or some, some weird dynamic like that. No, like I'm a human, just like my students and I have my days just like everybody else. And yeah, it definitely hurts. It, it definitely hurts to be like, yep, I totally just bombed the cold start. All right. All right. And then I have to move on to the first student and have them do it. But that's, that's part of doing this. Like if you want to be a, a good coach and a good teacher, you also have to have that humility to yeah. understand that it's going to happen mm -hmm. at some point and to uh, not be okay within the sense of like, yep, that's super dandy. I just bombed it. But like <laughs> to, 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 to be at ease in the moment and to understand that, you know, it happens. It's like, well, it, I think it puts the students at ease a little bit too, you know? So when yeah. they step up and they, I mean, <clears throat> I know in the last pistol class I took, uh, I think we ran the tier one or something like that, uh, a cold start drill and the triple seven. Uh, no, no, it was, uh, I don't remember what it was. I know I didn't pass it. <laughs> the highs, okay. like, I, I stepped up and like, 
I'm going to crush it. And uh, I know, and Robbie demoed it and he actually didn't, uh, he didn't actually didn't, didn't pass it either. Yep. You know, but seeing that it's like, it puts it in perspective, like, okay, the, the instructor didn't pass it. So like he still did it faster than most of us, if not yeah. all of us. And he yeah. still scored better than everyone else, even though it was a fail. Um, but you see like, okay, so it's, it's not that this is easy and I suck. It's that yeah. there is some difficulty here. And, yeah. you know, even somebody, you know, at a, a way higher level, you know, the instructor yeah. running the course, right. They weren't able to do this consistently. They, or yeah. the, even they had that moment of imperfection. So it kind of helps put you at ease and, and bring it down from like a, I'm the instructor, you're the student to, you know, to, we're all just doing this together, trying to get better. And it makes and, it more comfortable experience. Yeah, and, and, and that's why standards matter. You know, that again, going back to a, to a macro perspective of the world here, you know, that's why, you know, holding yourself accountable and holding yourself to a set of standards is very, very, very vital, extremely vital yeah. for, for your, you know, um, for your growth as a human. And I feel like because that we're, we're now in a world where, you know, everyone gets the trophy and, you know, don't want to hurt feelings and, yep. and this or that, that it's, you know, unintentionally kind of rolled over. And it's like, no, that's why we have standards for a reason, because they should be hard and they should be difficult. You know, it shouldn't just be given out like, oh, good job. You passed it. You know, it's like, no, you, you missed that shot. Okay. It's a fail. Like, oh, you didn't, you, you're, you're, you're uh, 0.7 seconds off. Well, that's a fail. Like, sorry. Like, it's very well, black close. and white. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're not close enough. Nope. It's right. either you've passed or you failed. There's no like, oh, it's still kind of close. No, well, you're close, but clo- but not close enough. It's still a fail. Um, and that's why it, it should matter to, to hold yourself to higher standards. You know, like even for, for me in general, when I teach for the majority of drills, I consider anything outside of the A zone thoracic on a USPSA cardboard target a fail. Right now, obviously, like I don't want to get shot anywhere, period. Like in general, I'm going to get shot like in the side of the ribs or dead center. But if we want to hold ourselves that high, high level of standard, high level of accuracy, then we should be holding it, especially in our training, because if we hold ourselves as a high level of standards and accuracy in our training. And that means that we should be doing fairly well in a real life or death scenario. If, however, we don't in our training, if we're like, oh, well, I nicked the bottom right-hand corner of the D zone, the Delta zone on the cardboard target, that's good enough, good enough in air quotes. Now we have to shift up to a higher gear in a higher level percentage in a real life scenario. It's never going to happen because we've never held ourselves that level of standard and accuracy in our training. And nobody Um, ever rises to the occasion. We always just fall to our lowest level of preparation. There you go. Exactly. Um, And that's what I think all, you know, serious shooters should hold themselves to like have a set level of standards, whatever that is for you, for you and your buddies, whatever it is, but have something set out in stone that you hold yourself and your buddies to. And obviously as well give your buddy shit you know if they if they don't hold themselves to it like that's that invokes that competitive spirit you know like yeah. every every guy in my opinion should be able to take a good ribbing every now and again right like throw some so, yeah. sort of thing like that's what makes guys guys and i've kind of realized over the past few years that that's you know slowly not being a guy thing anymore like a lot of quote unquote it's, it's guys are uh are 
you know, extra sensitive about things nowadays and, and don't have that ability to have that thick skin, which is a really scary thought. Uh, but, uh, used to be the fun I, part of being a guy, honestly. Exactly. Now it's like, hey, yeah. be careful, man. You don't want to upset anybody. Don't be the one yeah, that ruins everyone's hurt day. Any feelings. It's like, yeah, no, God, I, just, I, I, I want to hurt your feelings. You know, like you failed that, like it should hurt. So now next time that you come back, yeah. you're going to hold yourself to hopefully a higher standard yeah, it's, it's and actually pass thing. it next time. You know, it's yeah, like, no, it's, it's, man, if I didn't give a shit, I wouldn't say anything, but like yeah. we're friends, we train together. I want yeah. you to be better. I want to be better. I'm going to give you some shit for trying to skirt, you know, Hey, that little guy there, it's kind of, it's on the line, right? I think it's on the line. Like, no, dude, it's out. Yeah. It, it's out. You failed. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. You know, so, but, uh, <clears throat> we're kind of coming up to it here. So, uh, I want to say again, thank you Absolutely, for coming man. on. Thanks for um, having me. This has been an awesome discussion. Um, we kind of went more on the philosophical route sort yeah. of to begin with, which I thought was cool because I really don't get too many people that approach it that way, just honestly. And yeah. It's, it's a nice perspective. Yeah. I don't, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about guns and gear and all that, but I, I'm more interested in the introspection more than anything else for yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, so before we kind of wrap it, uh, can you just let our, let the listeners know, um, where they can find you more sure. information on you and, and your classes and stuff. Yeah. Um, so my website is rune nation, LLC.com. Uh, my social media presence is, uh, kind of here and there, unfortunately, because I have been, you know, intentionally shadow banned and people say that, you know, like, oh, you're saying you're shadow banned because, you know, you're not, you know, you don't, you don't have a good, uh, level of followers. Like, no, I'm literally being shadow banned. Like you, um, a lot of people can't tag me anymore in stories because I, um, have said certain things in the past about certain policies in the past two years and Instagram doesn't like that. Nope, um, so I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm probably on some list by the department of Homeland security somewhere. Um, but I, I, I still do post on there about once a week. I'm more active in my stories than I am with actual posts, um, with my actual posts. Um, it, it, it's, it's going to be a long wind caption cause that's my bread and butter, which is writing, you know, I'm a, I'm a big writer. So if you're in that sort of stuff, that's on there. Um, I also Facebook as well. I have a Facebook attached to the Instagram, obviously. Um, another great platform, which I, feel like should a lot of people should take a better look at which has no algorithm has no marketing none of that um, is a platform called vero vero with a v as in victor v-e-r-o um, it's a, it's a non-biased platform it has a similar layout to instagram um, it's mostly you know photography and captions but um, it, it's a great unbiased platform the creators of it um, are very opinionated. We'll see. We'll we'll, we'll say like myself. There mm -hmm. were they're all they're all on the same page about you know freedom of speech and two way and all that sort of stuff. Um, so that's a great platform to look at as well. I also put most of my writing effort into something on my website called Thought Crimes. Um, more specifically, under the Thought Crimes banner is something called Mind Fuel which is basically a open-ended blog. It's a $3 paywall, so literally 30 cents a day. Um, so with the $3 paywall, it's basically uh, daily 
content that I put on there every single day, you have fresh content every single day, whether it's something for myself or something related to a philosophical nature, I'll post on there. I'll leave the comments open to create discourse. And then that's just to create a more like-minded community. And so I don't have to worry about stuff getting flagged or banned or down, anything yeah. like that. And additionally, under, again, the Thought Crimes banner, I have something called Discourse as well, which is basically a $30 one-time purchase, which I basically created a digital zine, uh, basically a small magazine of essays that I've written uh, over the past few years, and I've compiled them into basically a little online booklet uh, that you can purchase on there as well. Um, because like I said, you know, writing is probably what I'm most passionate about. Uh, a lot of people like, you know, creating YouTube videos and they have a great big YouTube following and things like that. Um, mine is by, by far just putting quite literally a pen to paper and just letting thoughts arise from there. Um, additionally, I have, you know, shirts, I got stickers, I got, uh, my own line of coffee through my buddy Spencer, who runs Invicta Coffee out of the Phoenix, Arizona area. Oh, wow. If you like really good coffee, I'm a huge coffee snob. Like I got like the, the you know the digital water kettle heater and the Chemex and the scale. Like it's it, it's a problem. The science. Um, <laughs> yes, it, it's definitely a science. There's a correct water to bean ratio. In case you were wondering, um, I, I also have uh, my own handcrafted beard oil and hair pomade through a company called Locks L O X. Uh, they're out of Pennsylvania. Dave is a great guy. Um, he runs a veteran-owned company. Uh, the Lock is a veteran-owned company. They make basically all handmade uh, groom, gr grooming products for both me uh, men and women. Uh, so like uh, for guys, like I said, hair pomade, uh, beard oil, uh, hard uh, like shaving uh, bar. So instead of like a soft, like shaving cream, it's actually in like a solid bar that you can use to shave uh, uh, body scrubs, things like that. So that's my website as well. And uh, yeah, that's where you can find most of my info in, in regards to, you know, courses and or should I say seminars and dates. And that's all on my website as well. Um, I have everything uh, from here on out till the end of the year. And even I'm slowly putting in dates for uh, 2023 as well. Awesome. Awesome. Well, again, sir, thank you for coming on. Uh, Thanks for having awesome me, Awesome discussion. Awesome discussion. Uh, I, probably one of my top, top few for sure. Really enjoyed right, this. Thanks, so, man. I appreciate uh, it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, hopefully we we can uh, get the schedules together and maybe do this again in the future. Absolutely, man. Love to. Thanks again. All right. Take care. There you have it. That was Ian Strimbeck from Rune Nation. I highly recommend you guys check out his website. Try and get into, into one of his classes if you can. Uh, I, I'm honestly kicking myself in the ass for not making it out in... Uh, in back in February when uh, he was in Ann Arbor Arms, um, that's the facility that I, I train at. Um, <clears throat> you can just tell from from everything that Ian said. He's he's very invested in this. Uh, this really is his passion, and and he's on a mission to to help people and uh, and to train and educate. Uh, we talked about a, a whole bunch of stuff, really at a level that I don't think I've had the opportunity to to really talk with some people uh, up until now. So I, I did very much enjoy it, and I hope you guys did too. Uh, these are the kinds of folks that, that really make it awesome for me, that I get to uh, connect with them and have these kinds of conversations, and then in turn, right, spread that with everyone of you that's listening. 
because um, these are the kinds of people that you should search out, seek out, try to try to train with. Um, the people that are as invested in you as you as you are in in you. Um, they want to see you succeed as much as you want to see yourself succeed, um, and they're always working at making themselves better teachers uh, and and trying to find better ways to help you as a student, uh, as someone who wants to be, you know, of the prepared mindset. Pardon the pun. Um, so, like I said, I, I really I really enjoyed this. I hope you guys did too. Ian's an outstanding guy. I got to talk with him, uh, you know, before we recorded and a little bit afterwards. Uh, and I just, I can't, you know, recommend it enough. I think that he's one of the, one of those people, you know, just as I think anybody that we've had on uh, so far is someone you would want to search out for training. Uh, but you can check him out at runenationllc.com. Find out when he's going to be near you. See if you can jump in a class. See if you can uh, travel, make it to where he's going to be uh, and see you know, if you can learn some things from him, I think you, you'll really, really enjoy it. Um, but that's all I got for you guys. All right. That's a wrap for this week's episode. Uh, next week, I'll have another guest on. Someone I think you'll like just as much. I think it'll be just as cool. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think I look forward to all my guests. Uh, but we've been blessed the last couple of weeks. We just have some really, really awesome dudes uh, coming on, uh, making the time to sit down with me and, and cut it up, you know, talk about uh, life and, and training and philosophy and mindset and, and all kinds of, and all kinds of stuff, you know, and really, uh, I talked about it with Ian too, that the, the community piece is huge here. And I think that we're, we're growing the prepared mindset community through some of these conversations and these connections and these episodes. Uh, so if you guys have any questions, you want to reach out to me, you know, uh, shoot me an email, shoot me a uh, DM on, on Instagram, uh, make sure you're following us there. You know, the, the, the more followers we get, the more the numbers go up, the more that we can, we can do here, uh, the more enabled we are to, uh, launch new projects, to jump into new endeavors, to, uh, to do all kinds of different things, you know, and we, we can't do this without you and we do this for you. So it, it really is a, a symbiotic relationship. Um, but like I said, I hope you guys really enjoyed it. I'm going to stop running my suck. That is everything I have this week. Like I said, we'll have another awesome episode for you guys coming next week. You're really, really going to dig it, so tune in for that. But until next time, you guys, get out there, you work hard, train smarter, and like we always say here, be prepared. Be prepared.